Transformative leadership requires that you have a clear vision of your passion and your purpose in order to motivate those you lead. For Thomas Rosenberg, he's committed to providing executives and company leaders with the tools necessary to rediscover and reconnect with their inner wisdom so that they can make a greater impact. He's the founder of Regenerate Coaching, Transformational Leadership and Development. It assists San Francisco-based executives who want to reshape the second half of their lives, explore new sides of themselves, and the wisdom you already carry. If you're ready to go on this rediscovery journey, which will hopefully inspire you to have your greatest impact imaginable, then today is your lucky day if you're a business owner who truly wants to maximize their professional and personal potential. Because Rosenberg joined me this week to have a conversation about rediscovering yourself at work and reconnecting with your inner wisdom. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Rosenberg and I began our dialogue and time together by him detailing exactly what he defines as his professional calling and what makes him so fabulous in order to be a shining light of support to those he serves. What, what makes me so fabulous? Ha. So thank you for that question. So I am... Um... Founder and Chief Calming Officer at Regenerate Coaching, and I am an executive coach. Uh, I work with smaller, mid-sized firms, individuals, and teams, and I bring a developmental approach to my work. So, really helping people deepen in their in their human journey. What's going on with this Earthwalk? Uh, well, that, that's awfully broad, Tom, isn't it? it deepening the human journey, and I know uh, that you work specifically with executives to help them rediscover and reconnect uh, with their inner wisdom and what makes them have the greatest impact. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Sure, absolutely. So here in the U.S. and Canada and perhaps even across other countries, um, you know, we our, our schooling has us grow up, society has us grow up and we stay in our heads. And the problem with that is that we lose contact with two other major sources of information about the world around us, our heart and our body. 
And we also lose contact with the aliveness that is flowing through us all the time. So by reconnecting to the wisdom of the heart and the body, we can learn more about ourselves, how we show up, how we let others in. And the benefit of learning about these habitual patterns is that you get to see as a leader, your habitual patterns, how that shapes your energy, your presence, your interaction. So how are you making decisions? How well are you cultivating trust in and with others? And lastly, just once we've learned about these habitual patterns, we can assess whether they still serve us. You know, we may have created these patterns as a child because we're all hardwired for safety, belonging, and dignity. And if we need to, to ensure that as a child, we might crimp one of those elements, right? Make just to ensure that we are safe, that we are protected, that we, uh, do feel like we belong and that we have some sense of dignity. So the question is, as adults, do these patterns still serve us or do they even sabotage our goals and our aspirations? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thomas, to that end, I know that you also owe a, get a gratification from helping organizations sort of become comfortable with the idea of change. <laughs> and helping them uh, uh, use change as a point of impact, which allows them to flourish. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about Sure. So this is one of the through lines in my career that I wasn't aware of until uh, a few years ago. But I, even before I, co I was focused on coaching full-time, I intuitively found situations where I could support folks with change, even if that wasn't necessarily how I was brought into the situation. And it's certainly change, while it's a constant, is never something that we enjoy as humans. You know, we, as I mentioned before, we usually default to these habitual patterns that we developed as kids. And creating new perspectives, new ways of responding, perceiving the world takes time. And our brains like to make meaning out of a situation and be able to respond quickly. So if we come to new conclusions and therefore don't make the same decisions, it can be challenging. And in our society, as an adult, we don't like to feel incompetent. And so it's, um, there, there's a quote, I can't remember exactly who said it, but basically saying that the amount of fear towards doing something outside your comfort zone is equal to the power you'll have on the other side of doing it. And so the work that I have done is helping individuals and organizations start to recognize that moving outside their comfort zone, bringing in new ways of thinking, of being, can really enhance the individual and the organization's effectiveness. And Thomas, to that point, I'm curious to get your granular uh, definition of what regenerating coaching really means on a, a more uh, macro scale. What do you think that means to you? Uh, how does that drive the work that you do? Mm. So beautiful question. Thank you for that. I don't get it asked very often. Regenerate coaching 
So I spent over 20 years of my career in the energy climate sustainability world. And uh, my, I really started, I also worked um, with, with biomimicry and I, and I have exposure to permaculture. And what I realized is that there is a need and there is talk about the circular economy and other things. But what I realized is that our, our society, our culture is, our economics is based on extraction rather than regeneration. How can we put back? How can we nurture our ourselves? How can we reconnect to each other more easily? And how can we reconnect to the planet? So that's really the ethos of my work at Regenerate Coaching is how can we really reconnect to who we are essentially, and then moving forward from there. And Regenerate Coaching is a nod to, to that regenerative perspective. Like, what does it mean to have a regenerative society, a regenerative culture in an organization, in a community, in a country? What does it look like to honor our shared humanity and what becomes possible when we do? Absolutely. And uh, uh, Thomas, one of the synergies that we share with people uh, here in common, rather, is the uh, desire to really make a difference. You know, uh, Thomas, in addition to hosting uh, this podcast, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is inclusive employment for individuals with disabilities. So when we look at diversity, equity, and inclusion for folks with disabilities in the workforce, what do you think of, I'm curious? So for me, I feel, so diversity, equity, and inclusion for me, it really, it's, it's a question of being, an, it's an intentionality. There needs to be, it's a core value that I feel should be practiced every day. And it, you know, we've, we have plenty of studies that show repeatedly that workplaces that with more diversity are more agile, more innovative, more successful. So why don't we celebrate that difference? You know, whether it's neurodiversity, ethnic diversity, cultural diversity, um, diversity in abilities and any other form. So how can we bring people in, in a way that makes for more psychological safety so that people can let their guard down, can be celebrated for who they are and open up and to creativity, to collaboration, to innovation with deeper trust. Right. So that's, that's really where I go. Yeah, absolutely. And diving a little bit deeper into your uh, story, Thomas, I know uh, that you suffered a brain injury and near fatal uh, and a near fatal uh, bicycle accident in 2014, which inspired uh, sort of the way you tend to live your life today and you share the gift uh, that you learned from that experience. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Absolutely. So, yes, I had a near fatal bicycle accident uh, just about eight years ago. It was June 13th, 2014. And 
coming from a medical and scientific family with a mother who is an occupational therapist and who worked in rehab, I did not know how much brain function would return. Uh, and that I found initially quite scary because I had spent a lifetime honing my intellect and cultivating a very cerebral leadership style. It took me roughly two and a half years to trust my brain again. Uh, during that time with the reduced cognitive ability, I was compelled to rediscover the other resources I had, you know, and I recognized that my gifts were not only what was in, or only, didn't only consist of what, what's in my cognitive center, you know, that there's so much more to life. And uh, that, that really made a shift for me. It's like, oh, I, I can actually tap into this wisdom of my heart and my body, and I can recognize, I can sense into more of what's going on in the moment with a human, with a specific interaction uh, individually or in a group. And this is really where uh, what's rich, what's juicy for me. So um, my, a dear friend of ours about the time that my brain, I felt more trusting of my brain. Uh, a dear friend of ours was, was diagnosed with cancer and rapidly declined. My wife and I were part of a group of her friends who held that space for her transition. And our friend really inspired me because she found ways to share all of her gifts uh, with the world. She lived richly. She had a diverse community and she died with tremendous grace. And I said, this is what I have not been doing. This is not how I've been living. And how do I want to live the rest of my life with the life force that I have. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, that's hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to that point, I know your life philosophy is leading with your heart first. So talk to me about leading with a heart first philosophy and how that's impacted your life. So leading with the heart first has a very different feel than leading with your head first. And this is part of the work that I, I continue to explore on my own and for my, uh, with the continuing education as a, as a coach. But we have three neural centers, right? Head, heart, and body. And we often for neglect the heart and the body. So for me, living with the heart is feeling the compassion while also being aware of how I am entering a space. So becoming a more cognizant of the energy that I am entering with. What am I leading with when I enter that space? Is it head, heart, or body? What am I leading with when I enter that space, head, heart, or body? Because sometimes entering that space with compassion can be really powerful. Sometimes it might be the body that's needed. So um, for me, what this translates into is helping people grow and uh, really transform from, from a place that recognizes their essential self and getting back in touch with that. So that's what it means for me is, is getting back in touch with the person I was before I had to 
worry as a child almost about safety, belonging, or dignity. Yeah, and, and to that point, Thomas, uh, uh, how do you think you live your life with purpose and passion? Hmm. How have I lived my life with purpose and passion? Well, I've <laughs> the for me. It's really thinking about what am I spending my life energy on? What am I, how am I supporting others to grow? How am I feeling all of the aliveness that moves through us, whether it's, um, and, and also just how I'm making others around me feel. So for me, that's, it, there's the passion of helping people grow and transform, but so that they can live a life that they find more fil- fulfilling and that it's important. They're doing what's important to them. For me, it's being with friends. It's being with family. It's being really present with my clients. So for me, that's what it focuses on is really developing that presence. Yeah, and, and to that point, Thomas, you know, one of the core principles that I live life by is it's always important to celebrate the wins in life and celebrate life to the fullest. So I'm curious to ask you, how do you celebrate your life and make sure that you're really maximizing your personal potential? <laughs> Hmm. So for me, as I mentioned, it's, it's about finding meaning in what I'm doing and being really clear about how I'm prioritizing so that I can be present with what is right now. And I can be open to how that is, um, how that is, right? Just open, soft feeling into what's there and not putting a story around it necessarily, just sort of saying, okay, this is what I'm experiencing and why is that? So that way I can experience the full richness of life's tapestry, even if it's unpleasant, right? That's part of, you know, for me, celebrating life isn't sunsets and cocktails, right? It's, it's about really understanding what's here right now and feeling the fullness of universal life force moving through us in the moment. Yeah, fabulous. And, and you know, my final question for you this afternoon, Thomas, is I wonder how you define your dash. Let me uh, clarify what I mean. You know, when we look at our life stories, Thomas, to me it's not when you're born or when you die, it's what you do in the middle of your life mm-hmm. that really defines who you are. So uh, my final question is, how do you define your legacy that I'm curious. You saved the best one for last. So, <laughs> um, so for me, professionally, I believe, well, and personally, even we are the ones that we've been waiting for. 
And so I would really want my professional legacy to be that I've guided clients to clarify for themselves how they want to spend their life energy, cultivate the impact they want and live that a life that they find fulfilling. Personally, I would want people to say that I lived richly, that I loved well, and that I was able to make the world a little brighter. Fabulous. And tell me, Thomas, I'm curious if people want to get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that? Sure. So uh, feel free to take a look at my website, which is regenerate.coach. And uh, there's a link there that they can schedule time to talk with me, or they can email me directly at uh, thomas at regenerate.coach. Fabulous. Thomas, I, I really want to thank you for your work in helping a bit businesses regenerate their true def definition and a purpose and for engaging in conversation with me this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure.